We encounter toxins every day living in today's world. From air and water pollution to pesticides and the like, one quickly realizes that in order to stay in tip-top health, we must make detoxing a daily practice. The trouble is that it can be hard to find an efficient, gentle, and affordable product that can do just that, unless you know about Shilajit. Shilajit is a natural resin that melts easily into hot substances, turning any cup of coffee, tea, or even hot water into a naturally healing and detoxing drink. If you're interested in helping your body cleanse, heal, and renew on a cellular level, head to naturalshilajit.com. That's N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S-H-I-L-A-J-I-T.com and use my code MACG, that's M-A-C-G, to save 10% on your order today. Move beyond surviving and start thriving with natural Shilajit. Welcome to my human design experiment. Hello and welcome back to Mystical Mac. Today is Mystical Monday and I'm so deeply stoked to talk to you about childhood trauma. But before we get into all of that fun stuff, I do want to remind you guys of an announcement that I made a few episodes ago, a couple episodes ago, where I was saying that my YouTube is going to be housing a full video recording of this podcast that has yet to happen for those of you who went searching if you have. However... It's going to happen very soon because I ordered a tripod for my iPad, which is what I will be recording my full video on (laughs) because I use my phone to record that IGTV and I want to keep it that way. That's what I'm going to be recording my full video on and I need a heavier tripod, a heavier duty tripod, I should say. And so I ordered it. So... I don't know in exactly how many episodes we're going to have a YouTube recording, but as soon as we do have the YouTube recording, I will announce it at the beginning of the episode. You will know. I just want y'all to know that that is underway, and I'm very excited about it. So, yay. Next, if you are new here, thank you so much for joining. This is the joy of my life creating this podcast, and I'm really grateful you've arrived. I am going to send you back one or two episodes because it'll make this episode much more enjoyable for you. It'll make it make much more sense and you'll thank me for it. If you are returning, welcome and thank you so much for coming back. This series is so much fun to talk about in spite of the heavy subject matter we are going to get into today. So let's just go ahead, get right into it. It's mystical Mac time. We're grounded. We're ready. Are we grounded? Wait. Let's take a moment. Let's actually ground. I want you, wherever you are, if you are driving, please continue to focus on safety. If you are not driving, if you're able to close your eyes, I invite you to close your eyes. If you're standing, maybe have a seat. And maybe place your hand either over your tummy 
I say that word, yes, I'm a nanny. What am I going to do, right? (laughs) Or your heart. Whichever feels right. Maybe one hand on the tummy, one hand on the heart. You know, right beneath that hand that would be resting on your stomach if that is what you chose is the solar plexus chakra, which is this chakra that has a lot to do, for those of you who don't know what, who don't know what chakras are, chakras are energy meridians in your body. So you have blood that circulates through your veins, you have energy circulating through different areas of your body at all times, and your seven major chakras, they align from the base of your spine to the top of your head and a little bit above. They are sort of governing the other tens of, tens, I was going to say tens of thousands, no, not tens of thousands, but we definitely have over a hundred little chakras, little chakras. I want to get into the practice of really using the Sanskrit words the ones that I can really hold the vibration for. We have lots of little chakras that our seven major govern. And under where your stomach is, right around in that area, beneath your belly button, that's your solar plexus chakra. And that is where your personal power lies. Beneath the hand that lays over your heart, that's where your heart chakra is. That acts as a bridge between your physical and spiritual chakras. It's also your center of love. Let's go ahead and take a deep breath in with our eyes closed, if that's what the space and time allows for, and with our hands placed wherever they feel right. Let's take a big inhale together. Hold at the top and inhale a little more. Take a big exhale. Wow. Even one breath makes a big difference. Now that we're a little bit more grounded, let's go on. We're going to tackle a deep topic, a big topic. But it's only fitting because we are tackling a big question. Who are you? Today it's part two, childhood trauma. We all have childhood trauma. We all have it. There is no escaping it. There is just childhood trauma that leaves us, leaves us to decondition in a less radical way and then there's childhood trauma that leaves us to, recon- to decondition in a more radical way and then a in between those two. And to be clear, I am not here to compare childhood traumas. <laughs> I'm not here to compare one situation to another just because one thing seems so much bigger than another when it comes to lived experience, it does not mean that the feelings were comparable in such ways. What a person goes through is what a person goes through. 
And so whatever happened to you, even if it was just, and I, and I say just very cautiously because I know that there is no just in this really, and we'll get into that, but even if it was quote, quote, just neglect, you were never directly abused, you were never directly aggressed, even if it was just passive parenting, maybe borderline neglectful, but overall, my parents loved me because they did. I'm sure they did. That can still create fragmentation in a child and therefore create an adult that doesn't fully know, doesn't fully have access to parts of themselves. So I'm not here to compare traumas. I am here to inform on what trauma is. And on a few overarching things that we can look out for that can occur, that can point us towards a proactive path to healing. Let's start with what trauma is. I feel that I've spoke on this before. But of course, like, let's recap. (laughs) What is trauma? Trauma is any sort of distressful feeling that is left unresolved. It's one thing to have distressful feelings and be able to breathe through them and feel through them and get through them. It's another thing to have them and then have no idea how to move through them. have no idea how to deal. And that's what tends to happen with a lot of us when we were younger. There are more conscious parents now, but I can't say that they're the majority. I feel like they are not the majority. And it's not like I've done some research or any of that. So if you want to go ahead and do the stat research of... Conscious parenting and how many parents are, you know, more likely to uh, use like the Janet Lansbury method and things like that. Like, please let me know what you find. But I just have this intuitive feeling that it's it's not the majority. So even less so when I was a kid. And what oftentimes happened is parents, because they weren't they they were just doing what their parents did and their parents allowed some emotions and didn't allow others a lot of our parents were just fine when we expressed certain emotions and not so fine when we expressed other emotions and for a child that is just here to live and experience especially for those first 7 years that's really distressful to have an experience not be okay. For those of you whom are not aware of childhood development, when a baby is born, the baby learns through mirroring. The baby is just, is a sponge. It 
The baby is just absorbing all of this knowledge, all of these things. All of these new experiences, new reactions that they see displayed on your face, these new names to things that you tell them the names to, they're just sponges. They're really quite literally just absorbing you. And the human experience comes with a full range of emotions. And by making parts of that range not okay, you are making parts of the human experience not okay. And who feels that more viscerally than a brand new human? whose job is to only like learn to be human, to feel all the feels, to properly feed themselves, to properly <laughs> clothe themselves, whatever, to be, to be human. And then to be told that that experience is not okay when it looks like anger or when it looks like sadness or jealousy now that's fucking traumatizing yes i think igtv was clean today Woo. <laughs> real talk though that is fucking traumatizing so for those first seven years if you go back to the the backpack episode a couple episodes ago when I talked about the backpack and how when we are first born and when we are little, for those first seven years, we are just an open backpack absorbing all the things that people put into us. Whatever vibrations, whatever uh, patterns, habits your caregivers have, the people that you are surrounded by, the most have you are going to absorb those things they're going to influence you some way somehow and and that can make for a really messy experience when you don't have completely conscious, not even completely, but mostly conscious, mostly aware caregivers and parents. Caregivers and or parents. Childhood trauma, it's tough because because oftentimes when we grow older, the closest that we have to our traumatic memories, those memories that are holding parts of us in arrested development, the only tether, or at least the most visceral one, that we seem or tend to have are the emotional ones. So when you get triggered because a stranger cuts you off in traffic or you get triggered because of a situation 
at a customer service desk, whatever it may be, that present experience is simply triggering old emotions. And the emotions are the closest thing to the surface that that memory has to show you. I know what I'm throwing at you is really deep and probably a little bit mind-boggling. It's pretty fascinating, really, to think about how your body is always searching for an opportunity to heal to the point where it's going to be on the lookout for experiences and situations that can trigger those old feelings that you never got to feel in the first place because what happens when an emotion is made not okay, especially when you're a child, because when you're a child, you have two innate fears, fear of falling and fear of loss of connection. Humans are not just like, you know, little deer or... I don't know, a lot of species of like snakes and and such animals that when you're born, you're pretty much good to go. Like maybe 20 minutes with your parent and then you're off to the races and you're a functioning member of that forest or whatever. That's not humans. If you place a baby in the middle of a room, it's going to die if nobody tends to it. If that baby is forced to fend for itself later then it's it may survive you know once it's got legs and <laughs> legs once it's got legs once it's got the ability to walk and enough intelligence to put two and two together and that is very early on I literally know a baby that knows how to unlock the front door and like not even two yet So, you know, at that point, sure, they may be able to, you know, I don't know, I've, I've seen Shameless <laughs> and, and shows that depict situations where babies had to sort of fend for themselves in a house and it's possible, but that child is going to grow up with some serious mental health issues. Whereas a deer, a snake, whatever... It's also mentally prepared to be off on its own and off to the races. That's not humans. So, if connection is so important to us, which it is, because if you're connected to your parents or your caregivers and or caregivers, then they can feed you and clothe you and protect you from whatever from harm, from major weather. That connection is your lifeline. So you will do absolutely anything to keep it, anything, including disown a part of yourself that feels that thing that results in you getting a momentary loss of connection.
And that's how, that's how we start to fragment. When we have that big feeling, that big experience, and someone goes, stop that, big girls don't cry, or man up, or whatever saying you want to put in there that essentially shuts down an emotion. You literally make a subconscious decision to take that part of yourself and just slip it away somewhere where you can't see it anymore. And that works for a really long time, you know, at least until you're old enough to really truly be able to fend for yourself, both emotionally and mentally and physically. And then you move away from that, you know, from from the original household maybe. And and maybe you start to notice things. <laughs> That's kind of what happens or what happened to me, you know, I feel that when I moved away from living with my parents, I started to uncover a lot of the lasting effects of the traumatic childhood that I have of never truly feeling safe. So now that you're more aware of how this can happen, I know I gave you kind of a broad sense of it, but that's what I'm driving at here is that trauma isn't a specific thing. It It's in the eye of the person who feels it. It's in the eye of the beholder, really, if something is traumatic or not. I will give you one example. If you've seen the movie Promising Young Woman, you know, if you, if you have, awesome. If you haven't, I would skip a couple minutes. But basically, this spoiler warning a little bit, I'm going to try to keep it vague, but who knows. There's a scene towards the end where this guy who definitely raped a girl is saying how it, how basically he never did anything. He never hurt anyone that that basically just invalidating the whole situation that's not for that guy to decide if that was rape or not if that was traumatic or not it wasn't it's not it's for the person who experienced the abuse to decide whether that was traumatic or not so that's what I'm driving at here is trauma does not look like one particular thing. It's anytime you had a big feeling that was not allowed to be resolved for whatever reason and it got shoved into your subconscious because naturally that is the only thing your 
primitive system is going to do because it's the only thing that it really can do is just hide it from you so that you don't act out in that way again so that you can keep your connection and you can keep your lifeline and you can stay alive long enough to be able to learn to fend for yourself. What are some ways that that trauma manifests? Let's look at attachment styles because that's one of my favorite things to talk about ever. Attachment styles is a very brilliant... I don't even know how to... It's not like a branch of science or anything, but a psychologist, I believe, wrote a book called Attached where... And if you want to look for the book, it's got two little magnets on the front making a heart. I forget who wrote the book. I forget who the author is. But there's this book attached. And it essentially describes the process in which a human learns to develop attachments. Now... Attachments are just an inevitable part of life, especially when it comes to your primary caregivers. So your attachment style is going to matter a lot, or yes, it's going to matter a lot how your caregivers took care of you, how they gave you love, how present they were. That's going to determine your attachment style. Because you are going to attach regardless or you're going to learn something about attachment regardless as you're growing up and especially in those formative years. So there are three attachment styles or I should say four. (laughs) There are four attachment styles. There is the goal which is the secure attachment style. That's when you're able to uphold your own boundaries. You're able to respect another person's boundaries. You're able to have a stable, healthy relationship, basically. You attach to people with a healthy sense of self. And that just... That makes for a secure and safe relationship. Then there's the anxious attachment style. And the anxious attachment style develops, oh, I should say the secure attachment style develops when a parent is present, loving, affectionate, compassionate, uh, when, you know, all emotions are made acceptable, when, when the parent is essentially guiding the child as opposed to trying to control and commandeer their life. (laughs) Then you have the anxious attachment style, which develops when the caregiver, caregivers, parents, are present enough to be loving and present, but they're not present all the time. So maybe a, you know, a single parent that has to work a lot. And when they're present, they're really, really present, but they're just not able to be there all the time. 
and they're not able to be there as much of the time as is needed for that secure attachment to be formed. Then you have the avoidant attachment style, and that is when attachments just weren't safe. Connection just wasn't safe, maybe because there wasn't emotional presence or much presence at all. Um, Or there was, but it was so sporadic that there's not even, you know, it's not like the anxious where there was enough that they got that connection and they got it enough that they came to rely on it, but then it would be gone for an unforeseen amount of time. And, but then it would return. And so the attachment style learns to depend on that because it is there enough of the time for them to learn to depend on that. The avoidant, the connection isn't even there often enough for them to develop a sense of dependence or or craving for it. It's just unsafe. It's deemed unsafe. So they learn to avoid instead. They avoid getting too close. They, um, They sort of isolate themselves. And you have disorganized attachment which develops when when a child's parents and caregivers and or caregivers are both safe, not safe, are both present uh, and there enough of the time for that attachment to be craved and developed. But there's also an element of complete lack of safety and maybe even danger be it physical or emotional and that creates a situation in a person where they're going to crave and attract and look for long-term relationships deep connections but when it starts to occur when it really starts to happen they're going to get scared, get really, really, really scared and push it away. Likely in subconscious ways that they're not even fully aware of unless they, they make the conscious choice to become aware of, of them, those patterns. And there have been studies done on this, so I highly suggest looking those up and looking up the book attached if you're interested. It looks like we're going to have to do a childhood trauma continuation episode because I am running out of time (laughs) and I really do feel that we need to go deeper into this because we just got into attachment styles and I want to get a little bit deeper into how those develop since I just gave you an overview. I want to get a little bit deeper into how those developed and how they can play out in adulthood and so I will see you next time with that information thank you so much for joining thank you for being interested in this information it's such pivotal vital information even if you do have a secure attachment style even if you've really worked on your childhood trauma or you're fortunate enough to have one of those experiences where there isn't a whole lot of things to work through but more to just like accept and learn to do better than was done with you Regardless, thank you so much for being here, for learning about this, 
and for making the world a little bit kinder, a little bit softer, a little bit more understanding and open because you are listening to this information and absorbing this information. As always, I'm really grateful to make this podcast and stay mystical. You know what I'm going to say. Stay grounded. I'll catch y'all next time. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Mystical Mac. For future episodes, click that subscribe button. And to help us spread this podcast far and wide, consider leaving us a review. Also consider checking out the social justice links in the description below and going to mysticalmac.com to read up on my blog and find out about my tarot card readings. Also, follow me on Instagram and on TikTok at Mac Guerrero. Lastly, thank you so much, James, my amazing editor, for putting this podcast together for us. I'll catch you next time. Stay mystical and stay grounded. <laughs>